0: And saying, God, I don't just want to do things for you, I want to do things with you. That part that shifted in me as a pastor and a communicator, speaker, whatever you want to label it, that's when everything started to change. And seeing the impact that that had on individuals' lives uh, is mind-blowing and also fun.
1: Welcome to the podcast that helps speakers and writers like you grow their impact and income. This is stage, page, and screen. Am I too loud? Am I should I yell? Oh no, you're great. You're great. But yell. You did say to yell. I if only when
2: frustrated if you're feeling frustrated. <laughs> okay. Things like that. All right. Um okay. Sorry, buddy. We're back oh. in action. Hey everybody, welcome. <laughs> is that
1: take it we'll, from there, Jesse. Yeah,
2: okay. We'll cut we'll cut that part out.
1: No, that was great. That was Okay. That's my favorite part. All right, keep going. I think that we'll uh, we'll
2: actually pull an intro from another episode and just okay. clip it in here.
1: All right, that's something
2: that's something all good. where we where we did something funny. Hey, we got kid, all... we got somebody waiting in the lobby.
1: Okay, let me Talk let me tell me. you about this person you okay you know but but I, and I like I'm gonna set you up like you don't okay I'll pretend. So today we have Mister Ketrick Newell. Ketrick is the founder of the Teen Dream Center in Nashville. He's a former student pastor at both Cross Point Church in Nashville and Life Church in Oklahoma, which is where him and I initially met. Really? Back in the day. I don't know if I don't even know if you know this, but I, I used to I work know. at Life Church back in the day. I used to have a real job. <laughs> Shut Jesse. up. I did not know this. It didn't last long. No. Okay. It was a great experience. That'll be for the other podcast. Uh, this That's right. We're going to be talking about all things speaking at churches This dude's a straight preacher. I mean, come on. We're going to, we're going to, there's going to be a salvation call. Probably we're going to, we're going to collect an offering. Yep. During this interview, I I think there's no question.
2: I've already passed the bucket.
1: Good. But he's a, he's a wise soul, good dude, and has a healthy perspective to share. So let's let him in. Get him in here. Get him in here.
2: He's been waiting a lot. Oh, there he he is. is.
1: There he is. He's we hello, can't gentlemen. Pray. Can you hear me? Do we hey do we call you Archbishop in this sort of a formal setting? How does that work? Of of course. Okay. The robe, I mean, most people are going to be listening to this just They won't see uh, it. You know, the right. audio version. But the robe and the scepter, I have to say, for those of you that aren't watching <laughs> the video feed, it's just <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Majestic, would you say, Jesse? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, awe inspiring mm. for sure there's
2: like a, a shekinah glory going on there for those of you who <laughs> mm. know what that means speaks oh, for what, itself what mm. does it, that mean uh, okay what so, were those <laughs> words
1: jesse that was hebrew yeah why did why do all you preacher glory. people so fascinated with the greek we're sitting there in the pews <laughs> saying i don't give a crap about the greek oh, can you but... just tell me how to not get angry at my children
2: yes no that's, that's why we have to do the greek me as well hey, Ketchik, are you there? Are you there, buddy? Wow, he didn't even say goodbye. He was just no, gone. I, th-
1: I think I angered him.
2: <laughs> I think so. So there he was, folks. All right, Ketchik Newell, let's summarize what uh, has happened so far. Yeah.
1: I-, I learned a Greek word. I'm getting, okay. I don't care. It was a Hebrew. I don't care. That's right.
2: Oh, o- was it Hebrew? It was Hebrew. See, I'm oh. sorry. No, hey, with all that's going on in the world, that's okay, buddy. I'm sorry.
1: I got to be more supportive. <laughs> i'm sorry
2: all right well so far so good this is why we don't start (laughs) we don't we don't ever record (laughs) earlier than we should
1: no never again no 10 a.m pacific or we ain't doing it or else that's right um okay i don't care whether or not you're a man of the cloth (laughs) heavens no you
2: don't think ketchik's coming back Oh, I think there he
1: that was I think he's done with us. I okay. think that was it. Okay. Uh, please. Listener,
2: if you're still with us, no, we'll, we'll cut all this out. But uh, let's see if Kedrick is here. He's restarted his laptop. Oh, Uh-oh. this is way, way better. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this worse? It, it, no, it no, actually is better. Stunning.
1: It
0: is better. Yep. I don't even understand what's happening right now. You, Can well, you hear you know me
1: what?
0: okay? Oh, yeah, Sure.
2: You don't okay. got to yell
1: at us like that. Ketrick.
2: <laughs> Is that too high? Is that too high? Too high? You're yelling.
1: You're yelling. I'll bring it down a little bit. I'll bring it down. That's, Is that better? That's, You're good. I
2: can do that on my end. You're great, man.
1: Perfect. Okay. 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 You feel good? You feel settled, Ketrick? I. <laughs> Are you mad at me? I mean, you left <laughs> no, for a while, no, and then I, my, you know, my fears of abandonment started getting mm, triggered. Well, I talked him. I had to talk him down. I apologize. There was none of that intended. All right. Let's start here, Ketrick. You ready? I'm ready. Here comes the first fastball for you. So as a believer, how do you balance, you know, the message that you're going around sharing at churches and Christian organizations, that message is not about you, right? It's, it's about the Lord, uh, but, but the marketing necessary to often get booked at those events kind of has to be a little bit about you. So how do you think through and balance that tension?
0: Man, that is, that is a massive question that I think I have constantly. Um, and I don't know if I fully settled that in me, it feels like that is the tension, especially in the world that we work in of, uh, helping people realize that I am not the answer to their problems where in my world, that the answer for me is Jesus. He's the answer for my life. He's the answer for other people's life. And so when you step into that realm where other people are speakers and have their message and what they've learned, what I've had to do for me is my whole life has been coming to the end of myself, realizing I need something else. And so there is this reliance on someone (laughs) that's not myself. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a day-to-day for all of us, I think, in life. We have to put our hope in something. And we know if the hope that we're putting, what we're putting our hope in is working or not working. And I don't know if it answers your question, but that is the tension in the world that we live in is, um, in the world that I live in, because it's not, I have all the answers, but I can point you to the one that does. So that is always the context that I live in, in the world that I do, because all of the stuff that I do as being a pastor and being a speaker is pointing them to someone other than myself.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I imagine a lot of folks that will really be fascinated by this conversation are people that they themselves are believers, are also speaking in churches. So they probably feel that tension too, where they see certain speakers or authors out there Really, really promoting themselves on social media and like going full tilt with that, and maybe skeptically they go, "Well, they, they don't really have anything of substance to say." So, so where do, where do you kind of draw the line of? Because I imagine there's a part of you that goes, "I do need to put myself out there a bit." Yes, but but for you, your faith, your values, there's a way in which you would need to do it. Or a quantity or a quality or even a heart posture for you internally, where it's maybe not even communicated externally, but but there would be a relationship you would need to have with marketing, social media, promoting yourself. <laughs> How, like, where are you at today on thinking through that? <laughs>
0: um, that is the, I think you started off with the biggest tension in my life. I think I can go back to Mexico with you guys years back with Jesse when he was there And that's exactly the thing I was trying to answer when I was there in our mastermind together. What I was trying to figure out is what is this? How do you live this life of promoting the answer and you also not being that and being humble and all those things for other people, if they're not there in that, in that realm and see it the way that I see it and walk in a relationship with the Lord, then they might have the answer when I'm sitting here the whole time saying, no, you got to deny yourself. But in, re- in return, <laughs> how do you do that? And so I'm actually still in that process of learning yeah. that because we've seen that in the church world and outside the church world of how it can get icky really quick of yep. uh, people. It starts off going, Oh, in my context, um, God gets the glory, but maybe not the credit. Or mm-hmm. then eventually it's, I throw Jesus glitter on it and put <laughs> Jesus' name on it, but he's actually not in it.
1: Yeah. That's and I
0: think, I think it's really in my context, and this again may not relate to a lot of people that's listening to this, but in my context, there's too many people that co-sign stuff that Jesus or God didn't sign first. Yeah. And that's the tension that I live in to be integrity. And the best way that I know to do that and sharing is not sharing to get, but sharing to give of saying, this is my life, and this is what is currently happening in my world, and here's what I've learned. Yes. Because Jesus Jesus said, I must be crucified first before all men can be drawn to me. And what he meant by that was, I must feel it, I must experience it, I must know what you know. And for in my context and what I believe, he felt all the things that you and I walked through so he could say, I do know what you know, I do feel what you feel. Mm. And I think we have that ability to be walking testimonies because we're testifying about something we saw or something that we've seen. And so that's what happens, right? In court, testimony only works if it's actually you saw it. Hmm. If it's hearsay, it's thrown out instantly. So the fruit of my life has to be the thing that is drawing to people, not the way that I talk. Or even if I did have a good whatever on the outside that looked great, very quickly you're gonna go, Okay, that guy has it, or he doesn't. It's like the slap chop commercial, right? Like the old slap chop, you know, works, and the 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 the, the, the uh, ninety second whatever infomercial might tell you something, but until I get it in my own hands and I use it, I'm then going to then testify and say it did or it didn't, regardless of how good all of the the commercial was for 90 seconds.
1: Well, listen here, pastor, we're not going to, we're not going to be blaspheming the Slap <laughs> Chop today. So, I mean, I'm no, just- No, it works. I ain't standing Slap for good. that. I ain't standing hey, for that. And Mighty Putty, Mighty yeah. Putty probably doesn't, Okay, but get, the Slap yeah, Chop does. Yeah, get that stuff out of here. <laughs> get that stuff out of here. So, uh, Ketrick, let me push you for a second, and then I'm going to ask you a follow up. So, okay. let me push you here. I hear you, like, during this conversation, don't apologize at all for who you are. Sure. This conversation, we're really recording this for the up and coming Ketrics. The okay. people that are, they're believers, they wanna speak in the Christian space or to other churches. They know the necessary best practices that are out there in speaker marketing. Part of those feel wise to them. Part of those feel mm. icky and sort of, you know, cut against their faith. So this, this is gonna be like a really niche conversation that for many, you're right. It'd be like, okay, interesting, but not really relevant to me. Sure. There's going to be a handful of other Ketrics out there that they go, finally, someone talking through all the things I've been wrestling with. So so one more question on kind of this promotion thing. Yep. Uh, without naming names, I mean, do you feel like there are folks in the church world who do this well, that that they're not so timid or cautious that they that they don't put themselves out there in a good-spirited way, but also don't take it too far where it starts to feel like this is really no longer about the Lord or the message. This has become about you.
0: Do I know anybody that does that well right now? Yeah, is or that do, the you, question? do
1: you see any folks like that? Does that kind of inspire you, yeah. inform you?
0: I, I think, yeah, I think uh the first person that came to mind when you said that for me is like bob goff like the way that he lives his life is just he's a walking billboard of who he is what he's about um i think he is that i think um you know years ago being at life church like i think craig rochelle is someone who is integrity to the core like i think there's just certain people that have traits about them that i think when i look at their lives i go man you live it, and in return, um, and but it doesn't come. I don't. I, I can't really put my finger on who are the people that are like. I, that's that's a, that's the biggest two people that come to my mind right mm-hmm. when you say that. But I don't really know if that's answering it, the and question. And those
1: kind of folks, it seems like, feel like they are they are documenting what they'd be doing anyway. Yes. Versus kind of setting up an opportune situation for a video or a photo or a post that might serve some end. Is that is that kind of around what you, what you're thinking?
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably just if you would put a style on it, that would be more my style and what I feel comfortable in how I would promote, if you will, the things that are going on.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's talk about another tension point. Going to be a lot of lot of tensions we're going to talk through, okay? Great. Just prepare yourself and book a session with a chiropractor (laughs) after the, so, so back in the day when you were youth pastoring, you know, each week you're giving a different message. Yes. Now as a speaker, kind of, you you know, the the wise thing to do is to kind of tour the greatest hits. Yeah. You know, you got this story, you know, week one in January, the hit really, well, I'm going to take that out there. And this, this illustration that hit home, this joke, that was really funny. Uh, how do you approach kind of balancing generating new content versus reusing proven content both for your sanity so you don't get sick of it and thinking what is going to best serve these young people or adults that I'm speaking to
0: i think that with revelation what i would call revelation is that that part of it like when you have revelation of something and something um it feels like you heard it for the first time, it was life-changing. I think there's part of that, that some of that will be a life message in some context. Like there's certain things that I will speak on and it may take a different turn or a different way, but the things that have impacted my life the most is when I understood um, Jesus living in me, identity. And that really is like a theme through everything that mostly almost everything that I that I talk on everywhere I go Um, because it just continues to grow the more and more you grow in how to renew the mind it's like those like renewal of the mind and identity are something that I feel like I have just stacked and stacked and stacked and learned more and gotten new revelation of and saw it in different ways Um, and so there's always a thing for me to speak out of a place of what has impacted me the most Um, but it does come, um, with discernment also when I step into an environment to say, Lord, what do you have for them specifically? And I think that is the biggest key of like, I don't want to just, I've been in rooms where someone gives a talk and it was a really great talk, but it was the wrong time or it was the wrong season or it was the wrong something. And you've been in that, I mean, if you've ever been in that moment, It's just, it doesn't hit with the room. And so for me, it is always first going, Lord, what do you have for them? What do you have for them? And why are you bringing me here? And sometimes that is given to me before I'm even in the room. And sometimes there's been moments where I have been in the room and it's like, change it up. This summer, I spoke at a big FCA camp um, in PA and 15 minutes before I spoke, like I felt like I need to change my message. Don't tell anyone. That around. gives me oh, anxiety. Patrick. I, it I can't handle this. I can't, you can't, but, but that was like, I felt very convicted that I needed to change because I'd been there for four days and it felt like, man, you need to change and go in this direction to mm. seal what you've been talking about. And it's, a, it's a, in, in my context, it's just, it just feels like it builds. And it feels like the Lord, like in, in my context, the Lord is like heart for the people. There's a a transition that happens with people, you know, whether it be they're, you know, they confess things or they're walking through things and it really hits. And it's like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do now? Nope. And it's really fun in that way in my to, to partner um, with the Lord and to say, what are you doing? And what how do you want to move, move in what direction you want to move?
1: Now you and I had you and I have different personality types in this way, but which, which is great. I mean, to me, if I was going to pr- pray like God, what do these people need to hear? I'd be praying that thirty-two weeks in advance and say, God, you know, by which week thirty, if I don't hear it's from legit. you, I'm just doing what I'm going to do. Uh, so, so I can wrap my mind around that in in kind of that four day context of the camp you said, right? You're yep. sitting around there, you hear the stories, you can also begin to feel the elephants in the room that aren't being discussed, yes. that aren't being spoken out loud, that that are clearly anxieties, lies, fears, et cetera, that aren't being addressed. But But have you also had those kind of situations where you're not there for several days, you're not sitting through sessions, you're not staying up late having those deep conversations, and yet still, even though you just showed up two hours early for the sound check, you still felt that prompting and acted on it?
0: Yeah, and, and especially because I love to just talk with administration too. Like I'll even do that beforehand. But really when I get there, um, and I think, again, like your superpower is, is the way that you can put things, like how you can structure things. And, and that's like a superpower that I think is the order that you have and the order that, that God has given you. For me, there's something about being in the room when I'm in it. I just know the direction to go and I can't explain that. I just know, I know what I, and, and, and what's weird is a lot of times I won't even know exactly what I'm saying, (laughs) what I'm supposed (laughs) to say, which will give you even more anxiety, (laughs) but it's like, but I know that I need to open my mouth and say the thing that is, that, that is, that is there. And there's this, I can't, the only way I can explain it, and it may make sense. It may not to a lot of people is there's a love that leaves my body, if you will. It's just like a love towards, yeah. it's a love towards the people there. And sometimes that comes with like, I just feel emotion. And then, and my question to God is, what, what do you want me to do with this? Is this you? Is this not? I mean, you know, you have to discern that. But a lot of times when I feel peace and I feel love, I can be confident that I can open my mouth and say the thing in a way that, I didn't even know it needed to be said. Mm -hmm. And that happens so much more and more as I become um, more in tune to that instead of just be a performer. And that's what shifted in my life, even in the last few years, is being able to partner with God instead of perform for God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that shifted for me in a big way. When I and what shifted was God's not in the stands. And I'm on the court and he's cheering me on, but God's on the court with me and we're doing this thing together. When that shifted for me and saying, God, I don't just wanna do things for you, I wanna do things with you, that part that shifted in me as a pastor and a communicator speaker, whatever you wanna label it, that's when everything started to change. And seeing the impact that that had on individuals' lives. Uh, is mind blowing and also fun, <laughs> so that's been part of it.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been in those rooms where you felt that prompting. You've responded you know, down in Mexico, you know, mm. a couple dozen of us as speakers, and you've you've poignantly and beautifully spoken into someone's life, and it clearly connected. And your mm-hmm. ability to piece together things you do, you were not even aware of. My my curiosity with this. You know, all of our greatest strengths also have these, can have these weaknesses with them, right? You know, so mm-hmm. you, you complimented my ability to have system structures ordered. If, if that is unchecked, I can become uh, controlling. I can not allow space for humanity, emotion, those kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever felt convicted that? This gift that you have to read the room in the moment, respond in the moment, uh, can, it can tempt you to not appropriately prepare as you might if you could not call upon that gift that God has given you. Yeah,
0: I, I would say really early on, I mean, I can think back to moments of conversations you and I had. Uh, I'll take us back to Starbucks and or was it Starbucks? Yeah, it was Starbucks and you looking me in the face and saying i'm not going to have this conversation with you again and because you cut through the oh you can say the slick thing and say the thing that that you think my ears want to hear and then we don't get anything accomplished and we move <laughs> on and we both feel good and that's cuz that's not your personality you want to you want something to be 1% better and so when you said that to me you were really the first if you will father in my life in, in, in the speaking world to tell me the thing that I needed to hear, not the thing that I wanted to hear. Mm. And so it was actually that day and what I realized, and there was many others along the way, there was, uh, an English teacher. I mean, a, uh, I'm forgetting what she was in college. She was a teacher and I put off doing my final assignment and I walked in and winged it and it was, it was great, um, in some ways. Uh, well, what happened is I slept in when I was supposed to give mine and then I went back to her and said, can I, can I, please, can I do it? And she said, yes, Ketrick, but you need to get your SHIT together. Yeah. And she said that to me and, and that was a moment. But what I realized is I've used my gift a lot of times to get me out of things mm. instead of springboard me into things. Mm. And it was that conversation with you that helped me realize like, hey, yeah, flying by the seat of your pants feels great and sometimes it's exhilarating and you live in that love that emotion of that and, and you you love the feeling of pulling something off. But it was also a thing in me of not realizing that I could be the best at what I do. And I think there was still even some of that in me, some identity things in me of not taking my place that I actually could be the greatest at something. And I think some of that could go all the way back to childhood, being a kid with a reading disability. Once you're labeled that, um, you know, the teachers kind of pass you along. And there's a lot of things that you don't have to finish and you still get the credit. And so there's all kinds of things that I look back on and see now as I'm later in age that helped me realize you're using your gift to, to, to get you out of things instead of actually give you opportunity for things. And once that clicked for me, things changed that day when I left that Starbucks, that's when things shifted for me, but it took someone that would call me out on my crap and say, no, I know you. And not just calling me out, but calling me up. Like, that's something that you did very, very well. And you do, I think, for a lot of people, is you're going, okay, cut through the whatever. Like, let's have a real conversation here about what are you going to take responsibility for. Hmm. And so I think that's a big thing.
1: I I love that clarity you've arrived at. And I think particularly these days, there is such a glut of information you can take in, voices you can take in, many of which are... Interesting, inspiring, wise, have intellectually fascinating things to say. And I've been convicted this year of really just this last three months, I have tried to uh, discipline myself to not read another book or listen to another podcast until I've done the handful of ideas I was struck by of like, Hmm. dude, you need to do that. So yeah. what I'll do, I'll, I'll just, like right now, it's like there's only one podcast I'm allowed to listen to. Uh, sorry, Jesse, it's not ours. Uh, it's a little awkward. <laughs> right. uh, I don't listen to it either. Yeah, Okay, great, great. Uh, listen to that on repeat hmm. so that the layers, the nuances, like get in there instead of just gorging myself on new information, shiny ideas, and there's nothing wrong with the ideas. It's just if I constantly gorge the ideas and never take action on any of them, I'm really just kind of self-medicating with information versus trying to take any sort of progress forward. hundred defi- percent.
2: Define North American Christianity in particular. <laughs> mm. And so I, I feel like that's a, that really sums up even for those folks who are, uh, yeah, wrestling with this question. Um, it's because we've set up this dichotomy. Well, there's the Christian speaking world, and there's the regular speaking world, and I, I know the difference. I know both of those are valid, and if you say things excellently, like Bob Goff is a perfect example. Man, he's invited everywhere to speak to anyone because he's just being who he is, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, inviting people into something bigger than themselves. And um, yeah, the, it, I I love that tension, that dance, and yet some of that tension just has to do with the dichotomy we set up by. Yes. Let's get more information. Let's get more flash. Let's get more charisma. And then we see these kind of meltdowns from these various leaders because it's just been that, that kind of thing. For and sure. that's that, that I include myself in that whole process. So that's not an attack on, but sort of an observation from the inside out.
1: Mm. Kedrick, how do you, ha, have you been able kind of more recently in life to discipline yourself around, you know, taking in information, getting counsel from mentors Versus, you know, I'm not going to set up another meeting with 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 that fella until I till I do the thing or two that he said at the at the last time, kind of, you know, referencing back to that moment, uh, hostile moment. And you were a wrestler. You were a college wrestler, I think, at the time. So I should have really <laughs> I should have really been careful. I mean, you had those cauliflower ears. Yeah. Now, I could have died that day, Jesse. Yeah, exactly. I could have died.
0: That's hilarious. I was never a wrestler, but everyone always tells asks okay. me if I was. Well, That's in the my funny mind, part about it.
1: Ketrick, yeah. you just be quiet. That's, in my mind. Uh, uh, there's a singlet. I missed There's it. a wrestler. He was wearing spandex. It's Maybe under, that was it's, it. it. It's under the shirt. Yeah. I mean, okay. in the Starbucks. Just just the, <laughs> just the, it was, I mean,
2: yeah. It was, okay. Now I'm remembering the
1: headlines. Yes. I remember. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think about that now, Ketrick?
0: Um, yeah, I think, I think that's still partially some of my, um, like there's areas where I've done that well and I feel the, the accomplishment of that and how good that feels. But then there's also, um, there's still also the, that can still be my getaway of taking in more and dreaming and not doing, cause I'm, I can dream all day long. I'm a vision caster at heart. Like I can if you it, and I can, we can just go thirty thousand foot up in a hot air balloon right now, and what I see in the future of what I get to do at Teen Dream Center and, and what we're doing here with Inner City Kids, I can do that with you. Get me in a room to brainstorm, and I am I am your I'm your dude. And you want to get in a room to vision cast? I'm your guy. It's the implement. You know, it's the implementation of that and putting that into action. That is still something that I'm trying to learn to do in this last season. The, the great thing for me is the people that I get to work with, like the, that, that, like a girl that I work with right now, Allie, she's really good at the process. So she helps me hold like, okay, great. You you can get the hot air balloon if you want, but we're on step three of six steps and we're going to continue this. I don't want you to stop dreaming. And so it's a helpful thing to have other people with other gifts. It doesn't alleviate me from still having a role to stay on the ground when I need to stay on the ground. But it's also good to also realize like someone that has cadence and someone that keeps the cadence going is also something that you need on a daily basis to speak into your life to help the process to completion. And so for me, it's I have some of those people around me that help me do that. Um, But also I have been aware of when I step into a meeting and I go 30,000 foot up and go, this isn't best for the team. It's not getting us anywhere, but I'm having a great time and everyone's holding on to the hot air balloon about to fall off going, what are we talking about? And where are we going? And that, especially as the founder of a nonprofit, that is what has shifted in that realm for me in this last two years that has had to grow in me to go, you can't get in the hot air balloon today. Like you got to just get into the details and finish out what we're doing and where we're headed because it's not good for your team. They're whiplashed <laughs> and they need direction and to movement move with them in a direction. So this that's indi- kind of that personally.
1: This individual on your team who's good at details, did you say her name was Allison? Allie. Yeah. A- Allie. Did yeah. did you did you hire Allie mm-hmm. or was she already sort of a part of the organization, the ecosystem? So she she was she I hired Allie, um, but she was a volunteer.
0: And worked in Big Brothers Big Sisters for five years prior to coming on staff with me. Mm-hmm. So, but in meetings, she would sit down with me, and we would before she was even on staff, I would like just brainstorm all this stuff, and then she like everything I ever said, she just put on spreadsheets, and I was like, <laughs> Oh awesome. my gosh, what what is this? Yeah, I like it, and it she was like, like a good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 might steal her, but she she's incredible in that way. And so when I saw, I was like, This is. And she didn't even think it was that big of a deal, obviously, right? Right. Because when we have our own gifts, we don't even know the gifts they are because they're just right in our face. And I'm like, I don't have that thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I got some of that thing, but you got like, that is your gift. And I need that to be a part of what we do.
1: How did you, I mean, how did you recognize that? Because I imagine for a lot of us, there's a thing we're good at. mm -hmm. There's a thing we're bad at. We're we're maybe self-aware with it, or we just keep, ramming up against a wall because of it. We're not quite sure why. Maybe we blame circumstances, get a little bitter, get a little jaded. We've all been there. How did you know you needed someone like an ally when, when you don't have that skill set yourself natively?
0: Um, there's a couple of things. There's a great book that I read, and I'll tell you about that too. Um, but it did come to a point where it was like, you know, you know when you're at an age and everyone tells you you're really mature? And then you start getting older and now the maturity of what they told you you were, you feel like you're like outgrow like they just keep telling you the same thing, but you're not growing and you know it. And it was like really early on, people are like, you, you're so gifted, man, you have these gifts, man, it's awesome. And they would tell me these things. And then as I got older, I realized, but I'm not moving anything forward. Hmm. And, and, and so there was like this, right. that you, don't, was the you don't tell a
1: 44 year old, you have a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, that's bro, it. I've only got 40 years left.
0: <laughs> yeah and that's exactly what i felt like i kept smacking up against is like mm. that felt good when i was 17. right when when the when my old youth pastor said hey come speak at C at the poll and i spoke for the first time in front of a big group of people but what does that look like when i'm sitting in starbucks at, you know i know it was just a few years later with you but it was like what am i doing with this like i feel like i am burying a gift and i don't know how to move forward And so I actually read a book, and this is then a few years later, as I'm working on the nonprofit and doing the things that we're doing, it's like, I see my gaps. Like I see, I see the first time I give that talk and go up in the hot air balloon, people really like it. But when I give that the seventh time, Hmm. (laughs) uh, what are we doing? Right. And like, uh, we're running out of, you know, hot air here, you know? And so it's like, what are we doing? And I started to see that. And then that, then that leads into my integrity, right? So there's just all of this that started to come up of like, am I a man of my word? You know, there's all this stuff that started to pop up for me. And so I read a book um, by Les McCowan called um, Predictable Success. Mm-hmm. And it was a time that I just needed like some things to be put in my hands. And, and it talked about that every business, every nonprofit, they need three things. And they need a processor, they need an operator, and they need a visionary. And that book blew my mind and realizing I already had hired Allie, but didn't realize that I hired a processor already because mm-hmm. I saw it when she put all this stuff together. And I'm going, this is genius. And, um, and so, but what, what, what happens is that visionary is the one that can cast vision, get the people pumped, get the people headed in a direction, get everyone on board, get everyone unified and, and helping them see the future that's not yet in front of them. The processor is the step person. Okay, we're on step one of step seven. That's going to get us to the end result. It's going to be duplicatable at the end of this. They're going to know what to expect. They're going to know how to continue to make it happen. Every time a volunteer comes in, they know what success is It's because they have a playbook. They have these things in their hands. We do quarterly meetings we we know what we're talking about we're heading heading people in direction. they're working on that and then you have the operator that's like i don't need the meeting i just want to get the stuff done like they're the doers they're not the they're not the here's step one to seven give me the stuff so we can get to step seven mm-hmm. and so that's the operator mind that 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 i'm actually that those three three areas are what we need and that just helped me clarify of, First, it took pressure that I didn't have to be all of those things and there's seasons when you do, but it's okay to go. That's not fully going to be my entire, I have to live in this tension the rest of my life. It just means later on down the road, we need to hire for some of those things, but I know exactly what I am.
2: Hi friends. It's Jesse Rice, co-host and producer of the podcast. Normally, you'd hear from Josh at this point, offering you the opportunity to learn more about how to launch or grow your speaking business or write and publish your book. But since I also edit the podcast, I just cut his part right out. (laughs) That gives me the opportunity to do the pitching. But from the perspective of someone who is a former student of the program and someone that has benefited tremendously from the wisdom and experience and the countless practical insights that make the stage page and screen training program so powerful look josh isn't paying me to say this i do it for the community service hours my point is and all kidding aside as one that has truly benefited in massive life-changing dream come true kind of ways from this content i can't recommend stage page and screen highly enough and i really mean that to go and learn more for yourself about making your speaking and writing dreams come true at stagepagescreen.com. That's stagepagescreen.com. Now, back to the show.
1: I want to I go back to that, that young Ketrick. I remember you back in the day, you know, you got, you got the, the blonde tips <laughs> looking like a member at 98 Degrees.
0: That's right. Ryan uh, Cabrera before Ryan Cabrera, baby. That's
1: right. So I want to talk about finding your voice because I remember the early Ketrick persona, very high energy, very zany. Not saying things anyone would disagree with. It's not like a mom would sit in your audience and go, don't tell my kid that. Right. But but not as much depth as we would get with current day Ketrick. That, but that let's set the let's set the depth aside for a minute. We'll get to that later. But the zaniness, the high energy. Was that was that truly who you were at that time at that age or was that a thing you thought you needed to be or you know well this other pastor at the church is kind of the you know the the wise one the theologian so I got to be like the fun zany one when you look back on that talk me through that
0: yeah, I think I think uh, I think I'm naturally just a positive individual in general, and I have lots of energy, and always have had lots of energy. So I've been that person. Uh, I think, but I think there was a line in that where uh, that became it, it, what overtook that personality of who I am was uh, I, the the big the big problem that it turned into was performance, and that performance was the thing that drove at some point validated everything I did that it's my performance that that's going to keep me here and it will get me here and keep me here and so I think that was a big massive shift that even in uh, last few years um, is even shifted as well because um, performance is good and it needs to it needs to put you I mean it helps to put you in places but um, when your performance starts to break down is when stuff started to for in my life where i had to look internally and go hold on where is am i finding my identity in this of like having to be the guy all the time and having to be hey look over here i'm the guy juggling look at me i'm this dude and i've got to be i've got to be the thing for you you know all the time and i realized that i was unhealthy um not because part of that wasn't true of who i was there was just a season of life where i realized that i had started performing um, to, to get accepted, um, in, in ways that was not healthy. And so when it broke down, it started turning in for me into anxiety in a massive way where, um, I just realized I was sitting, um, because stuff, my performance wasn't working anymore. And I can tell you more about what that all landed on if you want to go there. Um, so I totally can, but do you want me to, t- you want me to share that part?
1: yeah i I would love to go there because I know that you know this when you find yourself in those spots and, and we all do for different reasons, but yeah. that's just inevitable, that begins to leak out of you it's it spills out on the audience there it you know it can be sort of unintentional, just okay, clearly he's in kind of a weird spot or it can start to get kind of icky and and you you began this trying to be helpful and now you're kind of being unhelpful. Cause there's right. a tone or a posture or a bitterness or an uncertainty or an incongruence in you that inevitably is going to find your way its way into the content, the message, and the delivery. So how did how did you get out of that?
0: So the big thing that started happening for me is I started uh, just realizing, I mean, when when my anxiety started Um, It started then coming out in anger. So not on stage, obviously, right? Like, oh, we can put put the stage thing on. But I do remember coming off a stage one day after speaking at an event and I went, I'm not that guy I just portrayed. The funny guy that I am on stage is not the joyful guy I was just being on stage is not the dude that I am at home. Whoa, hold on disconnect everything that I we just even talked about the beginning of this of people and getting weird and pastors and all this stuff oh man hold on check yourself what's happening here and that's where it started for me it's like and I started saying things like I don't know where Ketrick went what happened to Ketrick what happened to the joyful guy that the, the pure joyful guy like the guy that was really him not trying to get a moment of joy to get me back to it. But but like, it feels like that person isn't here anymore.
2: What's going on? It's not overflow, but it's something you're having to like really conjure up. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And like that, that's exactly what happened. And so I started doing what's called freedom prayer, which is like inner healing. And I stepped into, into that. And it's where you sit in a room with people and there's one person leading and you're praying and you're connecting with with God with these people, and it's nothing weird. No one's putting their hands on you like, like having you fall down. There's no like any of that. Well, it's then straight... I'm not interested. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, I can help you with the other ones. Um, but <laughs> with that, it was it was the be- most beautiful thing when I sat in a room with a group of people where I connected, and we just we just went wherever God was going. And there was, and you just kind of sit in the room and it's what I call like listening prayer. It's like, you're sitting there listening. What's coming to mind? Is it a word? Is it a statement? Is it a picture? Is it whatever? And so I got a picture of a moment that took place when I was younger. And God brought me right back to that moment. And I was like, and then when stuff like that pops up, you just, then what they guide you through is just to say, okay, ask God, Jesus or the Holy Spirit, whoever you feel comfortable with, ask him, um, why is that picture coming up? And so, why is that picture coming up? And he showed me some things in that. I won't go into the details of what that story was, but there were some things in there where I learned two things from this moment. I learned that I was alone. This is what I believed: is that I was alone, and I and my performance is what held everything together. At ten, he showed me, took me back thirty years and went, this is what your little heart at 10 believed, and you've been living from it ever since, but I would love to take it and replace it with something else. And I said, you can have it because we have to get to the end of anything that we're using that, that, that isn't Jesus. And once I was able to give it over, and say, here, you can have it. I don't want this to defend my life anymore. I want you to defend my life. I handed that over. And then what you do in that prayer time is you say, Jesus, what do you want to give me in return? I'm telling you the stuff that he gave me back. The 10-year-old. Now, now Ketrick at 40 may not need it, but Ketrick at 10 needed it. Mm-hmm. That's the lie. Mm-hmm. The lie is, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm grown. I don't need it. No, no, no. You don't may not think you need it now, but that 10-year-old Ketrick that's still in there that's angry, he can't grow up until the needs met for him of what he needed and can actually say, I needed it. And that's what happened in that time. And, and this is what it is, is there is a 10-year-old in you, and there's a 10-year-old in me, or whatever age that is, when the moment happened when you needed something that they couldn't give you. And because they couldn't give it to you, you're still sitting back there going, hey, I'm back here. And then you show up at 40 in anger, and it's that 10-year-old that even though you've grown in age every year and had a birthday, you still had some things that you needed. But you have to come to the realization of every time I speak on a stage, it's not going to fix that. Every time I have a moment where someone gives me the accolade, it's not going to fix that. I need something to fill in the deficiencies, and it's not going to be more performance. It's actually going to be more surrender. Hmm. And that's what happens for me. And the great thing is, is I prayed a lot of that as a kid. But what I didn't realize is that Jesus wanted to give me some things back, not just confess, oh, Lord, forgive me. Yes, you should pray that. But it's also now as I have traded this in, what do you want to give me back? And he is the best gap filler there is. He'll fill in all the gaps where mom and dad missed it. He'll fill in all the gaps where the kid on the football team said the thing that he said. He'll fill in all the gaps of everywhere that the best people in our lives could have or should have filled in the gaps. He will go, listen, they did the best with what they could. Now let me come alongside you and fill in the gaps that you didn't even know you were missing. And that's what he does. And that's what happened for me in that moment. And there's obviously always still more growth and more freedom, right? So I'm not done. But that was a massive moment for me to allow Ketrick, little Ketrick, to grow up to 40 in that area of my life. And that's what happens when Jesus, when Jesus meets you in that moment and gives you some things back and shows you that he was there. And then he hands you the stuff that they should have given you. And you walk out of that time, you instantly grow to the age that you are, Yeah. But you can't by denying it. You can't by saying, oh, I'm fine. Remember, we know what fine stands for, right? Feelings inside. Wait, no, I forgot. There, there's a statement for it. I'm not even going to do it. Kid with a reading disability, but whatever. So <laughs> that being, um, and so with that, we have to acknowledge I needed something. And it's not my doing that's going to fix it. It's what he did that's going to fix it. And when I apply that to my life, it then transforms me and completes me.
1: That's beautiful, dude. And I, I I, affirm that in you. I saw that in your life. You know, I saw that something had clicked, something had changed. You had clearly done some inner work. I'm so fascinated by this idea of, you know, for us as communicators, speakers, to make sure that to the best we can, we're, we're never going to be perfect, but, but that we're healed because otherwise it, it affects, it affects everything. And, and I feel like this topic area is one of those things that I occasionally talk about here and, and elsewhere, and people go, yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of like the cherry on top. Like, yeah, sure, that's a, it's sort of like a cute, emotional idea. And, and that's like a cherry on top to do later. But I can think of so many speakers that I know personally that have a great message, good intentions, honest to goodness, helpful advice. I would want my son or daughter to hear if they were struggling with that particular area. But there's something in their heart or in their posture that's clearly incongruent, that's clearly not healed. And and because of that, it's it's not like the audience is trying to be rude or could even know what they're sniffing out. But because of that, gap, that hole you speak to, there's a little bit of a, "Eh, I'm not sure if I'm really going to take in everything they're saying. I'm not Mm -hmm. really sure if this, who this person is and what this person is saying is congruent. Therefore, eh, I'm going to listen to the message, but I'm going to be a little skeptical to apply Mm -hmm. it to my life.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, and I think that's the deal is like, if you're not healed, and again, we're all on a journey, but I mean, especially if you're using things like this to try to fill something you're always using people, you're, you're, you know, you're trying to be helpful with the advice that you have, but there's that motive behind it. That is, that is, I mean, they're using people to get something that I think will help me. You know, there, there's that, that thing that you just, you just sense, like you're trying to use people to get position or you're trying to, whatever it is to, to prove that you are. But when you walk into a room of uh, knowing you already are approved, then you actually then can give, you have something to give. And I think that's something that all of us need to, to figure out in our own lives of where that is. I know it's always in different seasons, different things.
1: Absolutely. I, I want to talk through these different stages because you and I have both, you know, you and I speak to different types of folks, but we've both been doing this, you know, since we're 17, 18. And now, you know, now we're now we're in our 40s, you know, <laughs> need a little help getting up the stairs if you don't mind. <laughs> so, So talk me through kind of, the tone, posture, the heart posture. Mm. Through these different stages, you know, you, you're 18, you're 19, you're, you're kind of like a peer. You're, you're like a you're like a peer that maybe has like three mm. percent more figured out than they do, <laughs> it, you know, on a good day, right? So I kind of think through these stages. You, it's like you, you're a peer, then you're like the big brother, then you're like the uncle, then you're like the the father figure, then, then you, you know, eventually we're headed towards you and I were, head, you know, and Jess, Jesse's already there. Jesse's great, great there. grandfather, but yeah. you know, kind of yeah. that grandfather. He's grandfatherly got such good skin, though. Look he at does. him! My gosh, he's got that. I baby do moisturize. I moisturize and Botox. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's you smiling can, right now, but I can't tell. That's, yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. Well, this is him angry.
2: I can't move my fingers. <laughs> that's right.
1: So, so how do you think through, kind of those different seasons, and how you relate, because none of those are bad or inappropriate. Mm-hmm. We kind of right. look back on them and go, man, I was kind of goofy when I was in that big <laughs> brother phase. You know, and and I, I would say that about me as well. But I but I think during that phase and age and stage and the just the depth that I had and didn't have at that phase, yeah. that was genuinely the best yes. way I could serve my audience. That was yep. authentic to who you were. Yeah, at, at that time. Now, I shouldn't get stuck yep. there. I shouldn't yeah. stay there. I shouldn't try to linger there too long. You know, when I talk about these different stages, Ketrick, can you talk about how you've thought through those, struggled through those, and think through those now?
0: Man, I mean, I'll say how this is translated from speaking and being a youth pastor and all the stuff that I do Um I don't know, (laughs) when I look back now, I would say it in this tone and probably again, like it's fine that that's where, that is where I was, but I don't know how I was a youth pastor before having, not having kids first. Mm. Like, I think the moment that my son Valor, that's now almost nine, was put on my wife's chest after giving birth, that did something in me supernaturally that you get married, that'll kill some things in you that are selfish and your ambition and all the things of why you do what you do. That will do that. Will do that. But there's something about when we had our first kid five years into marriage that, that did something even more in the depths of me that made me realize that it really isn't about me. What inheritance and legacy do I want to leave behind? Um, and I think that that is like been where I am in this season In those other seasons, it was about me. It was, I mean, everything you, you can't, you can't, uh, back then I thought I just needed to pray about it all the time instead of just kill it, right? Like you can't, you can't pray about the flesh. You just got to kill it. And, but that was the final motivation or, you know, the nail in the coffin to go, you're going to transfer some things and what you do or don't do, you are going to leave behind for them to accomplish or clean up or finish, or you're going to give them a springboard to stand on your shoulders and do something even greater than what you did. And that translated first in my own personal family. But then that translated into, I'm going to tell you the thing, a wound from a friend is better than a kiss from an enemy. Made so much more sense to me when I became a father, and then how I did ministry and spoke, because it was like, do I care more about what you think about me, or am I is a real friend, someone that might wound you and tell you the truth, just like you did at Starbucks, to help me become who I am, and accountability went from not just hey, I need to be, I have accountability partners that help me not do things but instead account for my ability to help me actually become fully what god put in me to be here on this earth that's a whole different realm and that's a whole different motivation now it really is not about me because i'm going to get in uncomfortable and get into your world and tell you the uncomfortable thing because you never had a spiritual father or a father in your life to go no you're accountable for everything, for the talents that you've been given. And before the foundations of the earth, God put some things in you and he calls you a chosen instrument and there's stuff for you to do. And I don't want you to leave all of that potential in a casket someday and never ever fully actually live it. Because I see greatness in you and it matters to me that I'm not comfortable. So I'm gonna get uncomfortable and say the thing and do the thing and step into that and actually help you fully see it even if you walk away mad at me cuz that was really the moment for you and me you said the uncomfortable thing to me and they just looked at me <laughs> and and it was <laughs> but that was the deal right yeah, because for, yeah, for me yeah. it was like a moment where it was like pooper get off the pot like th- this is
1: you yeah, can't, I, I think we'd you can't what, mess m- with me i think we'd met, met up 3 or 4 times You know, even back then, I'm nerdy. You know, I got like I was on Google Calendar, you know, even back then. (laughs) And it's like, I I remember I kind of had some talking points in each of our meetings. And uh, uh, I go, okay, meeting one. Well, meeting two talking points are the same as meeting one. And and then meeting (laughs) three talking points are the same. I was like, bro, like, why don't you just audio record me and play it on loop? Because you (laughs) ain't been doing the thing. We already met here three months ago and I told you. In as I do absurd specific step by step detail what to do (laughs) and you ain't doing that with slides,
2: with slides.
0: Yes, yeah. I met you. I met you at Los Gatos at at the Pete's, and you looked me in the eye and goes, "Tell the lady to give me a cheat." It was some kind of weird tea. (laughs) Yes, it is. Cheetah, cheetah, something weird. I don't know what it was. I'm not comfortable going on the record with my tea. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, it kind of felt like. Okay, if if you need a friend, like we can meet up and be friends. Yeah. But if you're asking me for advice, you don't need advice. I done not gave you the advice. Go do the dang <laughs> thing I told you to do.
0: Yep, that's exact. And, and I think that that's that's what's so important right now for the generation that's coming up too is to have those fathers to tell them the truth, mm. um, because if you get the fame quickly or you get the the accolades quickly which is so a lot easier to do and be be found and known yeah. and seen if you don't have the foundation under that for someone that's actually knows everything about you your ins and outs your quirks your secrets your all those things you won't make it yeah. uh you will burn fast
1: yeah yeah i've yeah i've seen that we've yeah i've seen that with friends that you know early 20s things just blow up in a beautiful way. And that, that oxygen up there that at that top gets real thin Mm -hmm. and things get tested. And you, you know, you're sitting down at base camp, breathing full oxygen. You go, no, no, I want to go up there. And yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm ready to go up there. And yeah, yeah. I'm prepared to breathe that air. And you get up there and it, it just gets weird. It does.
0: Yeah. Well, and we know it's this, this saying, I don't know who said it, but it's, you know, that, that, your gifts will promote you, but your character is what keeps you. Mm. And I think the only way that you, you, the character that keeps you there is by the people that you put around you that are, that will be able to call you out. Who do you know in your life that could call you out on anything that nothing is off limits? That's, that's a massive question to answer. Um, and I think we would be a lot better in the church world
1: if we actually had those people. Mm. Um, let's, let's talk about Patience. Because I imagine, I imagine this is this might not be a bullseye on you right now this season for you, but it's it's going to at least be a partial hit. Uh, you know, you, you're you're feeling this heart shift of, you know, with the, with the speaking that you do. You know, you got Teen Dream Center, all that beautiful work y'all are doing. That's your day job, mm-hmm. but but here and there on the side, you're doing the speaking. You're feeling this heart shift from speaking to students to mm-hmm. the adults that impact students. You know, that's, that's this season of life for you. That's what you're doing day in, day out at TDC. How do you think about patience with this? Because you find yourself in a situation where you're giddy with the lessons, the insights, happy to share all the failures, the handful of successes, and you feel like you have so much to share. You feel like you've worked on your character. You feel like there's, you know, there's, again, not perfect, but... Solid and substance. How do you think about patience when you want to be full speed in that season yet, mm-hmm. and certain days it feels like you're just tiptoeing into it?
0: For speaking side or all of it, all yeah, all of it. However you think. Well, it. well, I think uh, I think this last two years has been the biggest, uh, what I would call almost wilderness. Um, and that when you're talking about the patience, like what that produces, um, I felt like I felt like in the last two years, one of the things that the Lord's been saying is, is that don't plant anything in this season because you're in a winter season and nothing will grow. Mm. And I fought that. Because I, I want to I'm go set ready, like let, let's <laughs> move. I got to be moving like I need to be moving. And that was. A part of that process was then him healing my heart of some of these things that we were just discussing when I was 10. But he had to get me still for me to listen. And it really took the last few years of him saying, don't plan anything. Even when we started the TDC and it became its own nonprofit out from under under the church. Like he was saying to me, like, don't try to get out there and promote all this stuff. Don't do all these things. I'll bring it to your doorstep. And oh. only walk through doors that are motion censored. Don't huh. try to go kick doors down. And I'm sitting here going, what are you talking about? Like, we got to go. Like, this is now our own nonprofit. This is our, this 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 is like all on me now. Like, I'm not under anything anymore. It's our own. Hmm. And, and I started going, and that's when he was like, oh, child. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, it, it's like the moments where my, my kid is having a freak out. And on my good day, I can sit back. And just say, hey, buddy, when you're settled down, I would really love to say some things about that. And that's exactly what God does, is he's a gentleman. He says he guides us with his eye. He doesn't guide us with his hands. And you guide someone with your eye, not in control. But you're like, hey, that hurts my heart, or I have something to say. I I have some things that I want to fill in there, but I'm not going to exhort myself over you. And that's exactly how it is. And so when I finally was the kid in aisle three at Walmart, you know, falling on the floor and crying and him finally going, Hey, I got some things to say about that. And I finally just got quiet and he's like, I won't yell. (laughs) I'm not like anyone else you've ever known. I won't. I'm secure in who I am and I know my ways work. I don't have to yell to tell you I'm big dad. Come on. But when you're ready, I would love to talk to you about that. And that's what that last two years has been of living in the wilderness and being okay with do all the work you need to do in me and hide me away until I'm ready to take what you have. And God even started showing me this back when we had our second child, Oaks. As he said, we had Oaks, he was two months early.
1: These are incredible names. If you're if you're keeping track at yeah. home, we have Valor, Valor and, <laughs> Oaks. and Oak. No pressure, awesome. boys. Yeah. No yeah. pressure, boys. They could kick my butt right now. That's yeah, right.
0: that's right. But when he came along two months early, I felt like that. What I felt in my heart is, I said, "Lord, I don't want anything premature. I can do it, and anyone can do it, but it's just harder." And that was the process for me in that that's where it started and then it just kept building until there was a moment where my performance was not working it just wasn't working and that's when it all kind of came to a head and i went i've got to figure this out and so that's that has been the the two years or two years plus of that wilderness season of being okay with there is a promise but there is a command that i must do to make the promise come to pass and that whole process was not do more. It was surrender more. Yeah. Surrender what you think. Surrender what, how you think this is going to happen. Again, Ketrick, I've done a lot of things. You've done a lot of things for me. I want to do a lot of things with you now because I love, I want to be with you. Like, I want to spend time with you. Like, I have something to say about everything that you're into and what you're about. And I'm just telling you, I designed it and I know there's a better way. And when you surrender to that, every time I've done that <laughs> hmm. and 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 walked in peace, it's always worked. That's what I tell people all the time. Never make a decision out of fear. Wait until you have peace and then make the decision. And that peace can come in, oh, you know, but I know it's the right thing. <laughs> like that whole whiny, yeah. crying, falling on the floor thing. But I knew there was a peace in it and that's what navigated me through to this season of life um right where we are now and i think it's helped me even in the season when you're saying of like making the transition from speaking to just youth to going no i'm a dad now and when i'm speaking now most of the time these youth yes there's tons of response from the youth and it's still awesome but it is the youth pastors and and mm-hmm. the huddle leaders and the and the, the whoever's there that are coming to me going dude I've been following the Lord for all these years and I've never in my life heard some of the things that you're saying. Thank you. And I'm going, "Okay, Lord." When I'm speaking at big church, if you will, that's what I call it still, but like on Sunday mornings at churches and doing doing other events that I've gotten to do in this last year, the things that are coming out of these adults, they're going how I've never seen it this way. And so I can see the fruit on it, but again, it's going, "You show me the timing." You show me what to step into. You show me what you want to do, um, and I've just gotten pretty good for the first time. I feel like I'm surrendering.
1: Hmm. What would you say to kind of two different versions of Ketrick out there? You know, it might be they might be 19, they might be 49. You know, there's there's probably someone listening that that they are in that patient that that season of surrender hmm. and patience you know, they might need to heal a bit. They might need, you know, the Lord might need to teach them something. What would you say to that person? And then what would you say to the person, again, irregardless of their age, it's more like that Starbucks version. Mm. It's not about patience. It's not about waiting. They've sought wise counsel. They know what they need to do. And now they just need to act on it. What would, what would be your encouragement to sort of those two folks? I think to um,
0: the person that is in the middle of waiting, that feels like they're in a wilderness season, um, it won't be wasted. Like all of it, there is a plan in it, and there's something to be learned within when you're when you're living there. and And don't fight it. Like try not to fight it. I know it's hard, and I've been there. Um, but I think they're what 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 I hope in my life, and what I hopefully I got to the point in, in in seasons when this happens, comes back around. I hope that what should have taken forty days doesn't end up taking forty years, right? Or however long it was for them to be in the wilderness, whatever that walk would have been from Pharaoh's land to the promised land, took way too many years than it should have. And I would just say your obedience will determine that that longevity i think a lot of times and don't stay there longer than you have to just just step into it figure it out you know and and surrender what needs to be surrendered um and then say now what do i do um so i think that's that that part of it um for the young person i and this is what i would say to anyone um we, I think we all do what we do because we think it works. And I think there's got to be a point for all of us. If it works, keep doing it. If at some point it stops working and it doesn't work anymore, abandon it all to go find what it is. And the way that you know if it's working is when you lay your head down on the bed at night, do you have peace? That's the only thing I can tell you. Because what I believe is that, You can't remanufacture peace. You can't, you can't, it can't be made and there's either you have it or you don't and you know if you have it or you don't. And if you don't, however and whatever you're doing that you feel like isn't giving you peace, don't defend it. Go, Go say, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have it all figured out because peace is the only thing that I, that for me, that I believe that Jesus gives that everything else in my life couldn't give me. My performance couldn't give me peace. It was the surrender to Jesus that gave me peace. And again, that didn't mean I wasn't a believer. It just meant there were still things that I was putting in front of that to go, no, I'm going to add to that thing. I'm going to add to what he gave me. Or also, I don't know what I need, (laughs) right? The best thing that you could pray is, Lord, well, there's, a, there's a couple things. It's the, I think the best thing that we could pray in moments is Lord, um, show me what I don't know. Like, what do I not know? Cause there's that verse that says he knows what we need before we ask. And I always hated that verse. Cause I'm like, he already knows why am I, why, why am I praying this thing? Like, why am I praying? You already know why am I praying? Like how many times I get mad at God and be like, you already know, but it was, but it's more like, God, you know, what I don't know. Would you reveal to me what I need to know that, you know, like that's the whole thing is it's not, oh, you know, whatever it's no, you know, some things I don't know, but I've got to surrender what I think I know so that you can actually tell me what I don't know. And that's really been helpful to me. And then I think if you're in the waiting, there's two things to pray. Lord, am I waiting on you or are you waiting on me? Those are the two best prayers you can pray, because sometimes the truth is you're just waiting on the Lord. Like some of you, whatever it is that you're doing, what you're waiting on, you feel the promise, you know that God has something in store for you, it's in the future, everyone's told you, everyone around you said the thing, and the timings haven't aligned, you haven't hit the corner where both of those things line up, and and it just hasn't happened, and you're like, God, what's happening? Sometimes you're just waiting on the Lord, and in that season, all you can do is do the last thing He told you. That's it. That's your only job. Don't make it up. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to move forward. Don't do anything. Just go, okay, I'm confident I'm doing the last thing he told me, and I'm going to keep doing this last thing until he taps me on the shoulder and tells me the next thing to do. And then if he's waiting on you, that just means that there's obedience that you haven't stepped into. A command is something God does. Obedience is something we do to make the command and the promise come to pass. And so like for you and me, like that moment for you, when you said those words to me, that was a moment for me in that Starbucks for me to do what I was obedient in, not waiting on God to give me direction. I didn't need direction. And sometimes we pray because we're too scared to actually do the thing that we already know God wants us to do. Sometimes we use prayer as an excuse to not step into the thing that God already know that we already know God needs wants us to do. And so for some of you on this on, uh, in, on this podcast, you're sitting there going, You just need a kick in the butt like I did. You don't need to pray about it. You need to actually not pray about it. You actually already know you're being disobedient. You just need to go do it. Like there's no more, don't pray, just do pray, but don't pray about this scenario. Just go and do it. And then for some of you, you just need to sit and hear his voice and be with him and realize that that's the goal anyway. The prize is that the one who created you wants to be with you and he wants nothing from you. He wants nothing from me. He just wants to be with you. And, and and let me say this. I think back to for the first two years of my kid's lives. My kid could not mow the lawn. He could not put cook food at nighttime. He could not bring in any money to pay rent. I changed his poops. I wiped his booty. I did all of that for him and every day I fell in love with him more and more. There was nothing he could do to make me love him. Nothing. He couldn't even say, I love you until he was two. And there was this love that I had because he was mine. He was my child. And I hope and pray for those of you that live in the context that I live in or in the church or speaking in Christians and love the Lord. Like, I hope that you have a revelation of that and you live from there is that he just loves you. He's, he, he's like giddy. He's so giddy about who you are and what he has and what he wants to do with you too. And so anyway, that's a little bit of what I
1: say to that. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen, brother. So good. Um, I think we should end it there, dude. I, I that's, you okay. took us to Good church. Gosh. We went to church. Let's pass the <laughs> offering plate, and let's get to right. lunch. Let's go. Yes. All right. Ketrick, K- thank like you just- so much for sharing your heart, your wisdom. I think for many folks listening, uh, you've pastored us today. You've encouraged us today, so I I really appreciate it. And uh, Jesse and I are both excited to see you in Mexico and Mm-hmm. And, uh, i saw you on the list jesse i weeks. can't wait to hang with you dude i'm pumped yeah I'm he's pumped. been thank you yeah he's this he also good. says he to be wearing some of that spandex that you initially wore in the starbucks in mix-up. yes so i'll bring you one yeah okay thank you yeah you <laughs> got an extra yeah uh, that was both an <laughs> exhortation and a warning <laughs> yeah exactly
2: right <laughs> i love it no such good stuff get your guy you there's plenty of good-looking charming people in this space but you're good-looking charming and you've got the the depth the stuff is real and it's been tested and it's been tried and it's yeah the fact that you're expressing that to team dream center as well it just thank you yeah. very refreshing
1: well thanks for having me guys Indeed. i love you both love you pal see you see you in a few Talk weeks you
2: soon all right later Bye. Bye.